Heavenly Father, we love you today. We praise you. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. It's a great privilege and a great honor to be here. Appreciate the confidence of the brethren so very much. And I enjoyed the words of Brother Piercy today. Blessed my heart. And then the tremendous preaching last night really uh, seemed to sort of set the stage. And uh, it got a hold of me. I appreciate it so very much. It's good to be a part of this great district and this great church. We're in something that began in the mind of God before the world ever was and will go on throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. This is something big, it's something great. It's on a rock, it's not going down, it's going up. And we're going up with it. Uh, we're in it to stay. Praise God. We've been in prayer and meditation and come here waiting on them to open the doors today and brought along a few things that I'd like to share with you today. Praise God. In the third chapter of the Colossian epistle, there's a passage of scripture that I'd like to read and uh, from these verses uh, build our lesson for today. I feel very small among you today. I feel my need of God. Praise God. Colossians chapter 3. Let's read at verse 8. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, 
to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. There are two verses that I want to cite us to, and I later in our lesson today, come back to. Verse 8, But now ye also put off. Everybody said, Put off. Put off. Could we say it again? Put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And verse 12, everybody said, put on. Let's say it again. Put on. As the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. And after a while today, I'd like to come back to these verses and teach by the help of the Lord on the robes of a saint. The robing of a saint. The Christian experience is one that we must never grow stale or stagnant in. It is one that we can never stop in. It's one that we must ever be digging in, going on, adding to, growing, developing, maturing. Praise God. The psalmist uh, said, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law do they meditate day and night. And he describes him as like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Uh, he'll bring forth his fruit in his season. See, it's a growing, it's a verdant, it's a progressive experience. Uh, he'll uh, bring forth his fruit in its season. His leaves shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Praise God. Uh, he said again, the righteous would flourish like the palm tree. Uh, they would grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of God will be fat and flourishing. They will be fruitful in all age. And he said, they will still be praising thee. You don't wear out. You don't rust out. You, you keep growing. You keep developing. Praise God. Uh, 
said they would grow up like calves. Ye shall go forth and grow up like calves fed in the stall. Hallelujah. Uh, the psalmist again, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. Praise God. Uh, Paul spoke of this church and said that it increaseth in the increase of God. Uh, Jude said for us to build ourselves upon our most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping ourselves in the love of God, and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. An experience that we build upon, that we pray in, that we keep ourselves in, and we look in. Praying, building, looking, keeping. Uh, he said, let us go on to perfection, uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance. Uh, we leave the foundation of repentance like a carpenter leaves the foundation of a house. Uh, he goes on and builds a house. Praise God. Now thank God for repentance and thank God for Acts 2.38. But we can't stop there. Uh, that got us in, that started us on the road, but we got to keep on. Praise God. Uh, we still thrill to hear Acts 2.38 preached, uh, but we got to learn about 1 Corinthians and, and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and the rest of it. Praise God. We need the Acts to tell us how to get saved, but we need the Epistles to tell us how to stay saved. One tells us how to get in, we need the rest of it to tell us how to stay in. Whew, my God. Uh, he said to Timothy, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It's an experience we continue in. We increase in. Uh, we go on in. We build ourselves upon until we become like the cedars of Lebanon and like the palm tree until we're fat and flourishing in the courts of our God. I, I really don't think it's pleasing to God to have a bunch of folks around. I'm just barely here today. I just barely made it to church. The devil's been chasing me around all week long. I think God wants somebody that's full, that's free, that's vibrant, that's on fire, that's going on with God. Hallelujah. Again, he said, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what so walk you in him? Rooted and built up and established in the faith abounding not straggling abounding therein with thanksgiving it's an experience then we walk in we abound in uh, Peter said grow in grace and in knowledge of the truth it's an experience we grow in 
Thank God. It's an experience we walk in. It's an experience we increase in. And then the Apostle Peter said, Give diligence to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, temperance patience, patience brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, if they are in you in abundance, if they are in you in a plenteous measure, I'm here to tell you today they'll not be in you unless that you have added them by the help of the Holy Ghost and allowing God through the Word and the Holy Ghost to some way help you to add them to your life. They won't be in you. But if they be in you and abound, they'll make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so an abundant entrance shall be ministered to you into the everlasting kingdom. But he that lacks, he that has not put on these things, or he that has not added these things, is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Praise the Lord, everybody. You see, this morning, church, the Holy Ghost does not work in us, independent of our own attitudes. It does not work in us, independent of our own traits and our own ways and our own habits. No, no. It doesn't work that way. Uh, there is that danger, you see, of life without growth. And in life, without productivity, without fruitfulness, uh, there has to be that cooperation on our part of allowing God to bring us to that place of where we grow, where we are fruitful, where we are productive, where we become rooted and grounded and established and built up. Praise God. There are some things to put off, and there are some things to put on. Uh, it is strange, but it works that way. That our traits have a way of following us to church. Our habits, our inconsistencies, our emotions, our exasperations, our manner of living all week long has a way of following us to church. Uh, my way of living all week long has a way of following me into the pulpit on Sunday morning. Uh, my attitude that I've had all week long, the spirit that I've manifested all week long, are the things that my mind has been on all week long, the way that I've lived, walked, talked, fought has a way of following me to church on Sunday night. We wear them like garments. The Bible speaks of spiritual garments. 
I want to teach after a while about the robing of a saint. He mentions the bride would be arrayed in fine linen, which is the righteousness of the saints. In his letter to Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, the Laodicean church age that we are in today, he said, buy gold and garments. Praise God. I wonder, am I preaching to somebody this morning that spiritually you're naked and bankrupt? Praise God. Now you may be buying campers and you may be buying boats and you may be buying cabins by the lake somewhere, but it may be that God is challenging you to start making some spiritual and eternal investments. Buying some spiritual gold and spiritual robes and spiritual garments. That the shame of your nakedness does not appear. That you won't be bankrupt before God. You may have a stuffed pocketbook, but you may be bankrupt in your soul. You may have a heart-shaped for Mark Sudol, but you might be spiritually undone before God. You might have lizard shoes and alligator shoes on, but you might need some spiritual robes. that's robed in righteousness that's going to have the right kind of garments of the right kind of spirit of the right kind of Lord robe ain't nobody going to walk down streets of gold naked and undone without God praise God the prophet God speaking by the prophet said he would give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness. Peter, in reference to the wives, said for them to let it not their adornment, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and the wearing of gold and putting on all of this apparel. Uh, God's not interested in some kind of a fashion show, ladies. Uh, God wants you to have spiritual garments. Let it be the ornament of a, of a hidden man, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is a great prize. God wants spiritual garments. Praise God. Uh, but uh, it's inconsistent. Uh, it is uh, foolish for us to think that we can some way wear the rags of carnal living all week long and then step into the vestibule of the church on Sunday morning. And, and all of a sudden, we put on the robes of a saint. It don't work that way. Yeah. 
characteristics, your trait, your habits, your aspirations, uh, your emotions. Uh, you wear them to church uh, like a garment. You don't lay aside the rags of a carnal life. And all of a sudden, when you step into the church, uh, uh, robe yourself out in the robes of a saint. It don't work that way. Praise God. It's neither proper nor fitting for us to think uh, that we can wear the rags of a critic all week long. We criticize the Sunday school superintendent. We criticize the program. We criticize the pastor. We criticize the pastor's wife. We criticize the organization. Uh, we criticize the superintendent. We criticize the presbyter. Uh, we criticize a neighboring fellow pastor somewhere uh, that we wear that rags of a critic all week long. And all of a sudden we come to God's house and we lay those rags down. And all of a sudden we put on the robes of saintliness and holiness. It don't work that way. Praise God. You don't wear the rags of a rabble rouser and of a tri-stripe peddler and a troublemaker all week and lay those aside and put on the robes of peace and love and harmony. It just don't work that way. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. No, preacher friend, today you don't spend your time uh, down at the fishing hole and down at the beach and up in the hills all week long uh, idling your time away, frittering your time away, and then you come to church and suddenly try to robe yourself out uh, in the robes of dedication and the robes of consecration uh, and the robes of devotion. Oh no, the shallowness of it shows through. Praise God. I know what I'm preaching. I know what I'm feeling or fooling around. I'm feeling good right now. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. You don't wear the rags of an unfaithful life, of a church straggler, of a hit and miss, in and out or off and on or up and down or. A Sunday morninger. We may be able to, if we can get back from the hills, we may be here tonight. We're not pastor. You know, we just didn't make it back. Don't tell me you ain't never heard something like that. Hallelujah. And then step inside the church and to some way put on the robes of a faithful man. No. Praise God. You see, living for God, working for God, worshiping God, teaching a Sunday school class, pastoring a church, holding revivals, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever parts you have, it is a spiritual work. Uh, you, you need spiritual garments to do a spiritual work. Praise God. 
I'm afraid that among some of us today, the shame of our nakedness is showing through and of our undoneness is showing through. For a life and a walk of holiness, uh, we must have robes that are right. A person's life then that's loose, that's slipshod, that's haphazard, that's frivolous, inconsistent, and unfaithful. He wears that. Did you ever hear a song that was sung maybe... Uh, they had the uh, tune and they had the ability and, and they, they, uh, they just, uh, they had the talent. And, and to listen to the song, it was beautiful. But by the time that it was strained down to you through an inconsistent, slipshot, loose, hit and miss life, uh, it, it just some way, it was sort of tainted and soured and, and putrid. You just couldn't really get much out of it. Did you ever hear somebody get up and try to preach a sermon and, and exhort somebody? I remember uh, one time somebody got up, he was playing in a rock and roll dance and, and tried to encourage us in Woodlake years ago uh, about holding on to God, a backslider, uh, having a band, trying to tell us uh, how to live for God. Uh, it just didn't have much effect. Praise God. Somebody up trying to preach, trying to exhort, trying to encourage. By the time that it's strained down through a slipshod, inconsistent, unfaithful life, it doesn't have much effect. They got to lay aside the rags of inconsistency and unfaithfulness and then put on the robes of a spiritual man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. We can't wear the robes of praise and worship until we first put away the rags of complaints and gripes. I want to say I thank God to be in this church. I thank God to be a part of this body. Hallelujah. Brother Price, I'm not about to hand my card in. If you fellows take it from me, I'm going to be at the next board meeting. What have I got to do to get it back? Hallelujah. I hear some that I'm sick and tired of the UPC. I'm glad I'm a part of it, preacher. Hallelujah. It's taught me all I know. It's brought me where I'm at. You start complaining and griping about what God has given us. One of these days you'll be out in the cold on the outside looking in and wishing you was back on the inside. Praise God. You need to understand this is God's household. And if you've got any kind of mind and any kind of sense and any kind of understanding, if you're going to hang around the household, you're going to have to love the fellow members and the rest of the household or you're on your way out. 
Christ, if I come and take up room and board at your house for a couple of weeks and preach for you a few nights, I'm going to have to get along with Sister Price. I'm going to have to get along with the girls, right? I can't be criticizing the wife, and I can't be criticizing the kids, and I can't be running. I don't like the way you do things around here, and I don't like the way you cook, and I don't like the way you do this. I'd rather much you'll have to get you another boarding place. Well, if you're going to hang around God's house, you're going to have to love those of the household. Praise God. Hallelujah. Spiritual robes. Spiritual garments. Hallelujah. As saints of God, we have to approximate to our daily life, our daily walk, our daily condition, uh, a harmony, a consistency with our position in Christ. Uh, you see, we can't wear the robes of love until you put off the rags of hate. There, there's just something about that you, you can't have hate and bitterness in your heart all week long. You, you're, you don't like them. You, don't, you can't stand them. They hang in your craw. They run you up a wall. She makes me sick. He grabs me. You can't wear that kind of a rag and all of a sudden come to the house of God and put robes of love over that. No, no, you got to get rid of the rags. My God, and when you get rid of the rags of hate, then you can robe yourself in the robes of love. I'll tell you today, it don't fit. You can't put robes of love over rags of hate. It just don't wear that way. Just don't wear that way. No. You can't wear the robes of peace and the robes of harmony until you get rid of the rags of envy and the rags of jealousy and the rags of strife. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad this morning, Brother Buxton, I can say I don't covet any man's church. My ministry's been a ministry of little things, a little meetings, but I felt mighty honored of God. Hallelujah, to go to some little storefront and preach a few nights for somebody with a little handful of saints and try to be a blessing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't covet nobody's position. I ain't got time to log her head with nobody. I don't believe preachers we ought to come to a fellowship meeting and log our head and crossfire and pot shot at one another and then try to get up and act like oh, we're spiritual men. I think we ought to get the rocks out of our crawl and the pus out of our spirit and the bitterness out of our heart and then robe ourselves with robes that are spiritual, that are godly, that are holy.
can't wear the robes of a good spirit. If there's anything that I would rather that anybody would say about me than anything else, the man's got a good spirit. I'd rather hear that than that he's a good preacher. Or he, he's this, I, oh God, give me a spirit that's right. You, you, you can't wear the robes of a good spirit until you get rid of the rags of a bad one. Praise God. So here this morning in these verses, uh, the apostle tells us some first, some things to put off. And then he comes back with some things to put on. Isn't it tragic that some folks have sat around the church? Isn't it tragic that some preachers have been uh, in the district uh, and they've never learned after all the preaching and teaching that we've heard and been exposed to and been around, they've never learned the things to put off and the things to put on. Hear them out in the vestibule, loggerheading or complaining. Put off anger. Anger. Unholy temper. Exasperation. Quick tempered. Uh, where people just get peeved and out of sorts. Did you know that Jesus, he, he in the Sermon on the Mount, outlined some things? He, he laid down the ethics and the basic principles of the New Testament righteousness in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, you have heard it said, and you've heard it said, and you've heard it said, and all of these things. But he came back and said, I say unto you, he brought it into perspective. Hallelujah. Uh, you've heard it said that you'll uh, love your neighbor and you'll hate your enemy, but he comes right back and he that's angry with a brother without a cause. Be in danger of the council. He that says to his brother Rachel will be in danger of the judgment. And he that says to his brother thou fool shall be in danger of hell's fire and go to hell for that. Just being mad when there's no use in getting mad. Praise God. And my 30 years of experience and practically uh, 30 years of pastoral experience and even a little longer in preaching than that, I, I saw folks get mad when there wasn't no sense to get mad. There wasn't no occasion. There was no reason for it. Praise God. Listen, Mom and Dad, you better not get mad when the man of God tells your child to sit down and behave itself. You better not get mad when you're reproved or corrected and instructed. Uh, you better love and respect that man of God uh, that corrects and instructs you and not get mad. Get huffy, pout, sulk, go home, not come back to church. Here's my keys, here's my card. I'm getting out of this outfit. You better get rid of that. Better not act that way. Praise God. He mentions 
uh, putting away wrath. Tantrums. Mad fits. Rages. People lose all sense of self-control. Say hard things, unkind things, bitter things, mean things, hurting things. Dear God, this is where we ought to love one another. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wife gets mad and she throws dishes and the husband, he kicks the door in. I was preaching somewhere a few years ago and I got along the line of some of these things that I'm saying right now and a fellow come up to me after church. He, uh, he'd come a little ways, but he still needed a couple of three haircuts. He wasn't getting it quite enough. He said, me and my wife go around about once a week. He said, I needed that, but my wife and I, we go round and round about once a week. Now, you better watch these husband and wife feuds and fusses and fights. You better watch it saying and getting mad, out making peanut brittle, out and doing something for the work of God, uh, that you don't lose the victory and you come back that night uh, nasty and sarcastic and snotty and snubbing one another. Where you long hand and hot tongue and cold shoulder one another. That's about all that some folks can give you today is hot tongue and cold shoulder. They ought to feel the warm love of God when they come around us. Our God's a wise God. You see, He knows our tendencies. He, he knows the frailties of this flesh. He knows the fickleties of our nature. My God, there's some things that we need to some way ask God to search us out and dig us out. And God, let me see myself and let me understand myself and know my heart and my thoughts, God. I see if there be any wicked way in me that I could get rid of some of the rags so that God, I, you could give me spiritual robes. Some years ago, I was conscious in the London church that malice was killing us. This is one of the reasons why that God instituted the, uh, the communion service in the church. That every once in a while that you and I, we rubbed elbows... We've stirred candy, we've swept the church, we've painted the building, we've worked on the Sunday school room, we've drove the bus, uh, we've walked on each other's toes and we've sort of bumped heads every once in a while that we got to come along with ourselves before God and see if there's any malice of wickedness in our heart and to purge out the leaven of malice and wickedness. Did you know you can wear a necktie and your sleeves down to your wrist and you're dressed like it ought to be, but you can have malice and ill will and bad feelings toward other folks in the church that'll send you to hell, that'll dry up the well of your soul, that'll cut off the Holy Ghost from moving and working in you? Let me tell you, preacher, you're not immune from it. We're not immune from it.
or we come to a camp meeting or convention and we try to avoid somebody that our heart doesn't have a good feeling toward. Malice is ill will and bad feelings toward somebody else. And you've got to lay it aside. Hallelujah. Somebody was telling me something the other day. Somebody was kind of raking me over the coals to my back. Somebody that we had to let go. We just tried to help him. We couldn't help him. And so he was uh, laying me out to somebody behind my back. I said, well, God, give me an enemy to love then. Some years ago, I was a presbyter, and somebody kind of got to taking some pot shots at me every once in a while, and somebody said, what about this? I said, well, if, if that brother becomes an enemy to me, I'm going to do just exactly what that book said. That book said, love him. Amen. Praise God. You hear me this morning, church? We're the people that believes that you've got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that means loving an enemy. And you can't love an enemy till you have one to love. And just so that you can live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, God will stir up an adversary, or somebody to hate your guts, just so you can love them. See what kind of a spirit you've got. Praise God. Now you better watch that malice. You better lay it aside. He mentions guile. It's deceit. It's lies. It's untruths. It's misrepresentations. Uh, where people just kind of don't tell things like they really are. Where they just kind of stretch the truth. Hypocrisy, sham, and pretenses, envy. You can't really put these things on that he says to put on. Until first you do a good job of putting these other things off. Let me say this this morning, church. Bitterness may or may not affect the person you have it against. But it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Malice may or may not affect the person that you have it toward, but it will destroy you. Envy and jealousy may not affect the person you have it toward, but it will have a detrimental effect upon you. Hallelujah. There are some times that we, we always seem to look at the external and the outward. But, oh, God, today help us to look at the inward and the spiritual. I want a heart that's right. I want a spirit that's right. I want an attitude that's right. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want brotherly love to continue in my life. Hallelujah. I want to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I don't want to be a troublemaker in the district, a troublemaker in the section. Uh, Brother Bledsoe, I don't want to make your burden heavy. Uh, Brother Price, I don't want you to have to call me in before the board and line me out. Yeah, 
If you do, please do. I want you to watch for me. But I'd rather keep my heart right, my spirit right. I'd rather live close to God where some good old preacher can get up and begin to break the Word of God and, and somebody dig me out and, and somebody show me where I'm at that I can lay aside some of this stuff. And he tells us some things here. After we've done a good job of putting off this old man and all these old things and these old works and these old habits and these old inconsistencies and these old ways and these old carnal things and old fleshly things and evil things and hellish and devilish things, he tells us some things to put on. You see, this morning, church, God wants spiritual qualities in us. As far as the external, the Pharisee had it. They, rolled, they wore their robes and their phylacteries and their long garments and they stood in the synagogues and down on the street corners and they fasted and they gave alms and all of these things. But Jesus said, you ought to have done all of that but not to have omitted the weightier matters of judgment, mercy, and faith. They never had spiritual qualities. He said, put on bowels of mercy. And that means simply tenderness. I'm a hard preacher. I rule the roost around here. I'm running the show. I'm calling the punches. I'm the head of this house. Maybe so, but you'll bust trying to run it that way. Praise God. Tenderness. Tenderness. It's having a compassionate spirit. It's being merciful. It's being kind. It's being courteous. It's being considerate. Hallelujah. Uh, he mentions humbleness of mind. This is simply having a humble estimate of oneself. To where that we don't feel or think more highly of ourselves than what we are. Uh, that we're not wise in our own conceits. Uh, we're not haughty, we're not high-minded, but we're that we condescend to men of low estate. We don't feel inflated or self-important. Uh, we're not on uh, some ego trip or egotistical. We realize that without God we're nothing and can do nothing. We were lost and would yet be lost had it not been for God. Praise God. Hallelujah. This church went on before I came along. It'll be going after I'm gone. You'll meet a few folks that feel like that if they go out, it'll fold. Don't ever feel that way. It'll go out on after you're out. Praise God. 
If it was built upon men like us, it would have folded up a long time ago. Hallelujah. It's where that we're not lifted up. We're not exalted. We're not a braggart. Uh, we don't get up and all about our accomplishments. I learned a long time ago, it doesn't pay to do a whole lot of crowing about what's going on uh, in your operation and your work. They may be moving in one month, but they may be leaving out the next couple or so. It may look it's like it's going your way today, but six months, it may be going the other way. Amen. Praise God. They asked me to preach the opening week some years ago in Stockton and uh, felt highly honored to be there and be with Brother Haney and young Brother Haney and the faculty and the teachers and the students. One young man was feeling his wings and he was going to go out and he got a break and got to go somewhere full time. My, I, that, that was a great break. I'm still working. Praise God. I'm not complaining. I'm glad I, I got the strength to work. But after I preached that last Sunday morning, he come up to me and stood down in front of the pulpit. Brother Mutt said, when I get a church of 500, I want you to come and preach me a revival. Well, that's one I've never got to go preach yet. He got a break, got to go full-time assistant somewhere, lost his ministry, lost his family. Had big ideas. Big ideas. Praise God. He'll only go, young preacher, because God makes it go. If God don't make it go, he ain't going. Oh, we're going to have a church of 5,000. Uh, don't hold your breath. Uh, you, you may get by with 15 or 20 or less than that. Hallelujah. All greatness is characterized by humility. Humility is the attitude of the soul that's lost its pride through the salvation of our God. God, we were so low, we were so lost, we were so undone, we were so unworthy. And God, you brought us from the ways of sin in the world, from darkness to light. You've made us what we are. You've brought us to where we are. You give us what we have. It's in you we live, and we move, we have our being. We're not sufficient of ourselves. Praise God. You'll never learn how to preach. You just can't do it, young preacher. If God don't anoint you in some way, the Holy Ghost inspire you. If something don't uh, get a hold of you, you can't put it over. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes in vain. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. This is what I'm going to do and what we're doing. 
He said to be clothed with humility. Let that be part of your spiritual attire. Let, let, let that be part of your spiritual garments, of your spiritual wardrobe. Some way wear that. I'll be clothed. Let, let, let that be visible. Let that be imminent. Let that be evident. Just let that be that when somebody talks to you that, that it's evident that you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. That you're not trusting in your own energy and your own self and your own strength and your own ability. Praise God. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by our human ingenuity. It's not by our ability. But it's by His Spirit. I got to thinking one time, we were studying Sunday school lesson about walking around the walls of Jericho. Why in the world would God uh, tell folks to walk around those walls once a day, one time a day for six days, and then on the seventh day just keep walking until they'd walk some seven times, and then stand, shout, and blow the trumpets and the walls coming down. And then he said all these things that were written, for our admonition, our learning, our benefits upon whom the ends of the world are come, in samples to us. Uh, God had them to walk around uh, those walls and had it pinned to teach us something. God, what are you trying to tell us? I got to thinking. Maybe you got something better. Every spiritual man that I know is a thinking man. They looked at those walls and God at them walls ever come down. You're going to bring them down. <laughs> God, if them walls ever come down, you're going to bring them down. God, if them walls ever fall, you're going to have to fall. Make them fall. Hallelujah. If that city's ever conquered, God, you're going to have to conquer it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, God, if you ever have a church, you'll have to build it. God, if revival comes, you're going to give it. It won't be because that we hoop and holler and rattle a tambourine and beat on a guitar. Or that won't make it happen. Humility. I try to stay away from that phrase of my church. It ain't mine. And a lot of times I'm glad it ain't. <laughs> I'm just so glad that sometimes, God, this is yours. And <laughs> I'm just your little under-shepherd. You're the great shepherd. I told God some years ago, God, you must have had some confidence in me to put anything this sick in my hands. Oh, don't be negative, be positive. You can look at that bunch of reprobates, that bunch of rabble-rousers, that bunch of hypocrites. No, no, God, you must have loved me and had some confidence to put anything that's sick in my hands. My God. Hallelujah. Humility is a working virtue. Whatever that we do for God, 
whatever that we endeavor to do, uh, somebody can always do it better. Okay, how well you can preach, someone can, out, can do it better. Some well you can lead something, somebody can do it better. How talented you are, somebody's more. Praise God. And uh, so we, we're to be clothed with this. It's a working virtue. It's just part of us. Uh, God's been kind. God's been good. And uh, we appreciate all that he's doing and all of his mercy. Praise God. We don't never pin any roses on ourselves. Uh, humbleness of mind gives us the apprehension of our own weakness. I appreciated the ministry so much last night, and I told our good friend, Brother Reynolds, something that I heard Brother Barnes, our camp meeting evangelist, to be here just, I suppose, today or tomorrow. But I listened to that great man of God some years ago in Beulah Park, and he said something that I never forgot. He said, God is going to make some examples out of backsliders. I never forgot that. I thought of that periodically over these five or six, seven years, however long ago that was. But I've come to conclude that there's more than that. I believe God is going to make some examples out of preachers to put the fear of God in some of the rest of us. you ever notice in those final words of Moses in Deuteronomy, he charges them, he challenges them to beware lest when you get over there and you live in houses you never built and you drink of wells you never dug and vineyards you never planted and orchards that you never planted, take heed lest your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of bondage. I need to remind you that Moses was aware that those that went over into Canaan were going to be a younger generation. It was only Joshua and Caleb that was above 20 years of age when they left Egypt that would go over. The rest of them would have been largely born in the wilderness. They didn't know about the brickyards. They didn't know about the whip and the taskmaster. Brother Reynolds, it was a younger generation that was too young to remember. What are you getting at? You better watch it, young preacher. My church, what I've done. You may be receiving tithes from somebody you never baptized. You may be pastoring a church you never built. You may be living in a parsonage that you never paid for. You better watch it when you're pastoring a church that you never brought in and that you never built and you're collecting tithes from folks you never dug out. Your heart get lifted up. Because you might not know anything about the greasy tents and the storefronts, the makeshift. Amen. Humbleness. My God. Hallelujah. Here, 
driving expensive automobiles, wearing expensive clothes, astronomical incomes, expensive homes, and all of that. I'm not against it, but you better be careful. You don't get lifted up. You see, humbleness of mind will give us a sense of our own weakness, of our own unworthiness, of our own smallness. Hallelujah. Praise God. I've never forgot where he brought me from. I never forgot the hell on earth that I lived in. I never forgot the strife of the home that I lived in. God saved me and called me to preach when we lived in a labor camp. My father and mother became estranged. And she left my father in Oklahoma and came with four younger, three younger brothers and one younger sister. I was only 17. My uh, greater part of the living was mine to make up to the time that I got married. We lived in a labor camp where the Mexican nationals lived during the war. God saved me while living there. He visited me on the top bunk by the old rough splintery wall when I picked cotton and I cut grapes for an existence. And, and from there, he waked me at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and deal with me to preach his word. I never forgot where he brought me from. I don't feel like I belong here today, but I'm here by the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God. Oh, it's love that brought us here. It's kindness we never deserved. Some of you were born in a parsonage. Uh, you, you've had carpet all your life. Uh, you've had nice things all your life. Uh, you don't know what it is to rub it and hug it. Uh, you better watch it. You don't get lifted up. My God, some way help us today, Lord. I'm glad where he's brought us. Humbleness of mind, you see, gives us a deep sense of our need of God. <laughs> of our need of God. Hallelujah. I don't know how to handle the mic. And I don't know how to curl the cord. And I don't know how to prance around before the pulpit. I, I, I've just never learned how to do all that. I just can't function without his help. Can't function without his help. You see, God wants folks that are sincere and genuine. Where there's no sham, no veneer, no pretense, no put on, no hypocrisy. Hallelujah. That love him at church and then live like they love him when they leave church. Spiritual robes. Spiritual garments. Pride is before destruction and a haughty spirit is before a fall. This very next thing is an entire Bible lesson in itself. And that's meekness. 
it would be worth your time to find all that God in his word said about meekness. Moses was the meekest man. God would talk to him face to face. Hallelujah. He said he would beautify the meek with salvation. He said the meek would eat and be satisfied. He said the meek would increase their joy in the Lord. Uh, Paul told Timothy, follow after meekness. Uh, he said the meek will he guide in judgment. And the meek will he teach his way. Uh, James said, Who is that wise man among you and endued with wisdom? Let him show out of his good conversation his what? His meekness of wisdom. Now, today, Saint God is not going to take a bunch of rogues and rule breakers and fence jumpers to heaven. There is nobody going to be in the rapture that cannot be pastored. One minister, a friend of mine, lost his ministry, told me what a wonderful set of bylaws he had in his church. Built a big set of bylaws, and I guess finally he jumped the fence. I don't care what kind of a set of bylaws you, you might have in your church if they don't have a meekness, a spirit, a pliant heart, a teachable spirit, they'll sneak around, they'll fudge, they'll break the standard. You see, the meek are the God-mastered. Some folks can be, they can bite their tongue and bite their lips and maybe hold their self but they're about to explode and bust at the seams. That's not meekness. That may just be biting your lip or biting your tongue. That may be just trying to hold yourself to keep them exploding. That ain't meekness. Meekness is where you're God-tempered. You're God-controlled. You're God-mastered to where that there's a spirit about you that's godly. He was meek and lowly in heart. Praise God, I beseech you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, he said. It's where that you submit to the rule of God. You submit to the rod of God. You submit to the discipline of God without murmuring, without complaining, without backbiting, without getting mad, without raising up, without acting nasty and haughty and snotty. Where you take correction in a good spirit. Where you receive the word of God with meekness. The engrafted word of God. Lay on the line, preacher. I tell it like it is. Where the pastor, he feels that you belong somewhere else. Moves you. Well, here's my card. I'm getting out of here. No, it's where you say, 
Brother Pastor, you know where I fit best and where I would work best. You just take me and you put me there. If you think someone else belongs on the piano, just that's fine. Somebody else ought to be Sunday school superintendent. That's, you know what's best for the church. You know what's best for me. You know where I fit in best. That's what meekness is. Where you can be controlled. God mastered. Not just self-mastered, but God mastered. Hallelujah. You accept the dealings of God with you without murmuring, without disputing. Where you're easily handled, easily controlled, easily pastored. There's some folks you, you just kind of got to sort of handle with gloves and you got to take it easy now. And uh, I, I just like somebody that uh, you can handle and praise God. Uh, you know, we hear that scripture a lot as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. And uh, some folks have got an idea that that's kind of like you got a little dog on a leash or, a, or you got a bridle on a horse and, or you got a ring in a bull's nose and you just kind of lead them around. But that ain't the way that is at all. That's not the way God leads you. It didn't say as many as are on the leash of God are the sons of God, or many that, that are, have the bridle of God upon them are the No, no. You see, led just presupposes there's a leader. As many as has the Holy Ghost for a leader, the leader is in charge. As many as have the Spirit of God in charge, of their life they are the sons of God uh, the leader is in control as many as have the Holy Ghost in control they are the sons of God the Holy Ghost uh, the leader is in rule as many as a rule by the Holy Ghost and God's not going to lead anybody that won't allow him to control them Praise God. Meekness is the best side of us under provocation. You may see one side of a man in the pulpit, but you'll, you'll see the best side of me when I'm under the gun. When I'm under the pressure, then you're going to see the real Brother Muncy. When the load's heavy and the weight shows on my brow, when things are in reverse and not going so good, uh, when I'm under the pressure of the load, uh, when the winds of opposition blow against me, uh, when folks criticize me, uh, when they run me down, uh, my reactions uh, under provocation will show you really what I am. And so meekness is where you don't retaliate. You don't try to even the score. You don't try to get back. He left us that example. Sometimes we don't really like to walk in those steps. That who knew no sin, there was no guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, reviled not. And when he was persecuted and threatened, you know. Sometimes we don't like to walk. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. We, we kind of like to take it in our own hands. 
God, give us that spiritual ornament of meekness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. He mentions long-suffering. One of the qualities about charity or love is that it suffereth long and is kind. Uh, long-suffering speaks of a person who, when provoked by others, doesn't allow himself, he doesn't become ablaze with anger. He, he doesn't get irritated. He doesn't get out of sorts. He doesn't get crossways. Uh, he doesn't get uh, mean. He doesn't get uh, violent. He doesn't get virulent. He doesn't, his temper, he don't get exasperated. He don't raise up. Uh, he stays cool and calm and doesn't get frustrated. It's, he has that quality. Praise God. Uh, can I say it, preachers? I have saw preachers get mad. One time happened in my experience. Problem arose. You never lose by suffering wrong. Well, I know my rights. I'll sue you. I'll take you to court. I don't want that kind of a spirit. Problem arose, and fellow minister and my presbyter and I, we got in a room, and this man, you're a liar. And I wasn't a liar. I hadn't lied. But I just got down on my knees and I said, just let me suffer. Let me just take the wrong. I got down on my knees in his living room and asked his forgiveness and just let me take the wrong. I saw his ministry go down. The little red-headed fellow just went on preaching. Now I walked out with a victory. Oh, I'll take you before the board. <laughs> no, just let me bear the wrong. Long suffering. When you have that quality, you'll be careful in your judgment of others. Uh, it'll help us to look for the best. Uh, it'll enable us to speak kindly back to those that may not be so kind to us. It will enable us to be nice to those that are not so nice to us. Praise God. Charity suffer the long and it's kind. It's not easily provoked. Long-suffering is the power to endure provocation and to accept things of life without provocation. There are just some things that are going to go wrong and there's no use to get in a frenzy about it. Praise God. 
I was listening to Brother Johnson in Fresno back in December, I believe it was. And he said he used to think that everything that went wrong, it was the devil. And said after a while he come to understand or to know that there are just some things that are just part of life. Just part of life. No use to blame it on the devil. No use to blame it on this. Uh, uh, the washing machine will just wear out. The car will break down. Uh, the tire will go flat. Uh, the kids will get sick. The mumps, the measles will get out. It's just some things that just part of life. Brother Price, you told me something when I called you some months ago. Discouraged. You said about rolling with the punches. I've just kind of been trying to assimilate that and put that into practice in my life. Just kind of roll with the punches. <laughs> just suffer long. Still be kind. And then here in verse 13, I've only been up here about an hour and a half. I may give you a few minutes back. Praise God. He gives us some things in our relationships one with another. Spiritual garments, spiritual robes, spiritual qualities. Uh, he mentions forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Any man has a quarrel against him, even as Christ forgive you also do ye. You know what one preacher said one time? We've learned all about one God. We've learned all about church doctrine. We've learned all about church standards. We've learned all about Jesus' name. But we don't know how to get along one with another. Isn't that something? One God, Jesus' name. Learn all about uh, uh, giving up the world and uh, those things and, uh, and dressing modest and decent and all of those things. But we don't some way you know how to rub elbows and hobnob and get along with one another in the same church. Maybe the same section, the same district, same organization. Uh, forbear simply means to bear with. It means to endure. It means to be patient with. Uh, uh, it would be to pray for. Uh, uh, there may be times in your home that wife you may have to bear with your husband. And there may be times husband you may have to bear with your wife. Uh, there may be a time in the church that maybe Brother Jones or Brother Smith or Brother somebody uh, might not just uh, do everything just like we think he should, but there has to be that forbearance. Praise God. Uh, be quick to forgive. Any has a quarrel, forgive. Forgive. Get it out of the blood. Uh, don't, don't harbor it. Don't go around with it. Uh, show yourself benevolent and gentle and kind and gracious and understanding. Anybody has a fuss or a feud, exchange of words. Somebody gets mad. Uh, be able to forgive. There are two things that if we don't do, God's going to see that we don't get. Forgiveness is one of them and mercy is another. If we don't forgive our brother his trespasses, our Heavenly Father is not going to forgive us. 
and he that has showed no mercy will receive none. There's two things that God is going to hold us to. It just the way you give it out is the way it's going to be meted back to you. Uh, just the spirit that you administered in is the way God is going to say it's comes back to you. Hallelujah. Forgiveness implies the dismissal of a revengeful spirit or attitude. And above all these things, after all of these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. A bond, cement is a bond. It bonds sand and gravel together. And some way after we put on all of these things, he says, kind of put the coat on, put the topping on, put on charity. That's the bond of perfection. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let love be without dissimulation. Let brotherly love continue. Praise God. I see that you love one another fervently with a pure heart. Love one another as I have loved you, he said. And these are things that gives us spiritual robes and spiritual garments and spiritual qualities that will some way help us stay saved in the church and keep walking with God. God bless you, brother.